right, here we go. Welcome to episode three of FaceCast, your home for social and educational commentary with a historical context based on 14 years as a professional educator. Please do check out my website. It's experientialstudy.com for uh, the latest blog posts and unique online learning experiences and courses covering uh, such diverse topics as the origins of American government and world history, approximately 10,000 BCE uh, to about 600 BCE. You also find a variety of educational and philosophical books uh, that have informed my teaching over the last 14 years. Also, uh, as mentioned in the in the last episode, I got a book coming out. Um, look for that uh, summer of 2022. Very excited to continue sharing more on this uh, on this latest project in the coming weeks and months. Also, remember if you have questions from any of the previous episodes, you've just caught up on episode one or episode two. Um, please be sure to, uh, to pass along any of those questions to me. Uh, you can hit me on Instagram in the DMs at F-A-C-E-0514 or email me at bafacemeyer at icloud.com. Those are the best ways. You can check out the YouTube channel, Face0514, and definitely follow FaceCast on Spotify. Okay, so topics for today. Uh, They're blended today. Uh, The usual format over the last two episodes has been to discuss an interesting historical concept, followed by a discussion of some aspect of modern industrial education system. Today, the the two are highly interconnected and uh, I just have, have one part today. Um, and it's also highly relevant to last week's episode two, part two, uh, where I discussed radical reform in education. And you can find the full text of that on the blog on my website, experientialstudy.com. In that discussion, from last week, I mentioned that the study of humanities, the humanities, uh, is crucial to students attaining the moral and 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 ethical wherewithal needed to apply moral and ethical philosophies and teachings to the STEM fields, uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, uh, which are increasingly seen as the path forward by students and universities, for that matter, who frankly see increased STEM-based enrollment as a cash cow. Uh, while the humanities sort of flounder around in some sort of ancient basement library somewhere. But it's, it's in the humanities, it's in these, these, uh, these ancient, ancient basement libraries 
uh, where, where you find the perspective to ask what is the most important question? Why? Why are we doing whatever it is that, that we're doing in the STEM fields? So, what are we doing? What am I talking about? I read an article recently uh, in the New York Times by Carl Zimmer, published September 13th, updated September 30th. Uh, the article addresses uh, what, what I think is an incredible phenomenon, and that is, that is the idea that it has become now, in 2021, um, technologically, scientifically, biologically possible to recreate, to possibly recreate a woolly mammoth, uh, an ancient mastodon, uh, basically a gigantic ancient version of the modern elephant. Uh, It shares a cousin. Um, The modern elephant shares a cousin with these things, these ancient animals uh, from, I, I believe, around six million years ago. Nevertheless, the idea originally comes up so so this has been um sort of a a pursuit of science for some time i think uh, in the 1990s at some point there was a cloned sheep that was a huge deal Um, but this idea this the, the way this works this idea was originally outlined in 2013 uh by one of the scientists uh, who has teamed up with a company of scientists and business people called Colossal. Uh, and it was outlined in a speech by Dr. George Church. And he gave this speech at the National Geographic Society in 2013. And back then, um, it was a bit uh, pie in the sky, e- even just eight years ago. Um, didn't receive a ton of funding at that point. Um, now, in 2021, uh, he's got, they have this team, this business, this company, and this doctor church have about $15 million in funding now and, and are going forward with this thing. Dr. Church is a renowned biologist at Harvard Medical School. So, how on earth are they going to do this? Um, the article by Mr. Zimmer suggests that they will edit or I guess that the best path forward at this point uh, is to edit elephant DNA, modern elephant DNA, to include various traits and characteristics um, that um, various traits and characteristics that would be useful for a woolly mammoth. Um, like uh, thick padded hair um dense fat uh think things that you don't necessarily like thicker fat layers things you don't necessarily find on a modern elephant uh whose primary uh territory is is the african savannah um you don't need the same traits you don't need the same evolutionary evolutionary um 
items, I guess, that you that you need in, for instance, Siberia, where the uh, ancient mastodon or woolly mammoth uh, once roamed freely. Um, so that, that that's the best best path forward. They think the goal here is to accomplish this in the next few years. Now, as you can imagine, um, there are many skeptics. There are many critics of this project. Um, there will be any number of moral and ethical questions. Um, are these things? Where where are you going to put these things? You going to put them in zoos? Zoos are already gaining a, a worse and worse and worse reputation uh, for caging wild animals, if you will. Are they going to be released into the wild? Where are they going to be released into the wild? What what are the what are the political implications and ramifications of this? Is it is it even humane? to to even think about doing this in an age where where climate change and and uh, and melting ice caps um, make their original territory um, less conducive to their presence um, that territory now now that is is addressed in this article too there there so their original territory isn't exactly the same climate as it once was um but that theoretically can be fixed by the reintroduction of the mammoth into this region, so the, the possible reintroduction of woolly mammoths into the tundras of Siberia, for instance, could recreate the conditions in which woolly mammoths thrived during their existence. Um, and so, so the region where they where they lived. Take to say we're talking about uh, Russian Siberia, um, the frozen tundra. Well, the frozen tundra is currently melting, right? The permafrost is melting, and it is largely um, covered in moss at this point. Um, the idea here is that the woolly mammoth is reintroduced in this area. A herd or two herds break up the moss, uh, knock down trees there their natural waste becomes um, a natural um, fertilizer for the recreation of the grasslands. Now, I assume that these woolly mammoths were feeding on the grass. Um, so if it's not currently there, I'm not sure how they survive while at the same time recreating the conditions that they need to survive on their own. Um, so, so, so lots of questions here about, about this stuff. Um, so this, but this is going to theoretically the grasslands regrow, uh, and and this is this is going to help keep the permafrost, keep the soil from actually melting. 
Um, this is not the only possible benefit, though, here. Um, is Will this project, you know, that one, one of the questions that, that everybody wants to know, for not least of which are the the investors of this company, Colossal, like, are, are and, and Mr. Zimmer addresses this as well in his, in his article. Um, how are the investors in this company making money? <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, the number one priority of every company that comes into existence is to create revenue and profits for its investors. And, um, that doesn't seem likely, um, until whatever the new technologies that are created as a result of this process could become uh, business entities or companies of their own um, and, and spin-offs, I guess, of, of, this, of this technological and scientific process. Um, but is this project going to produce the new technologies? And, and, and what are these new technologies? What can these be used for? Can these new technologies be used to create or save current species from extinction? Perhaps. Should we as human beings, you know, be engaged in this? The remaining question for me is, should we intervene this heavily in nature's processes? If so, how, how much? Where's the line? Who determines where the line is? All of these things can be answered, or all of these things um, can be addressed effectively if we have, if our students have, if the people who work for this company, the scientists here, if they have a strong foundation in the classical humanities where you learn through reading these texts and understanding the contextual implications within the texts from a qualified educator or professor. You can start to answer these questions. You have to have that basis in the humanities to try to answer some of these questions. Thanks for listening today. Hit me up. Uh, with any questions at face0514 on Instagram or bafacemeyer at icloud.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.